Good morning. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Government. <clears throat> kind of like Brussels sprouts. It's good for you. This is also why you pay taxes. Yes, taxes. For the authorities are God's servants. So today we're going to start with a little reminder. Here it is. Remind the people, as if you really need it, to be subject to the rulers and authorities. You know, even Jesus said, render unto Caesar. Now, well, this was back in the time of Rome. Rome ruled the world. In fact, it ruled far longer than anyone else has before or since. And in Daniel's prophecies, it's described as the Fourth beast, you know, nondescript, terrifying, frightening, very powerful. It had false teeth, though, made of iron, crushed, devoured, trampled. Nevertheless, Daniel portrayed it as a living organism. So within itself, it's organized, and so it was able to bring stability to the ancient world. Provided well-maintained cities, aqueducts coming in, supplying water, quality roads. It introduced a system of law under which people were content to live out their lives. And do you know what? That beast is still with us today. It's been fragmented into ten, no, 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 seven horns. So my question today is, when you look at a map, are you on the map? Or according to Daniel, you might be at the end of a horn. <laughs> Not a good place to be. But in spite of that, government is God-ordained. And we are told to be subject to its authority. To live at peace, to be part of the solution, not the problem. Even in today's fragmented, broken world where many governments are weighed down with corruption, ideology, religion, some have become beds of unrest, others failed states. So much so that many citizens are voting with their feet. 2019, 80 million refugees in the world. Another 50 million bound in some form of slavery. That's the overall situation. But here in Australia, we are the lucky country. We're the heirs of the Reformation. Of people who stood up, spoke up, and sometimes at terrible personal cost to give us a government with a Judo-Christian heritage. It's a democratic system that's enabled us to live comfortably, and at least personally for me, all my life. And many have up, upheld it as the ideal. After all, what better than a government of the people, by the people, for the people? Indeed, some of you older folks may recognise that person, do you? It's an iconic photo in the newspapers. David Smith 
secretary to the governor general for 27 years, 1973 to 90. And he was caught up in the sacking of the Whitlam government in 1975. And after he retired, he gave a speech. I mean, 1992, he gave a speech. And he said, we are, that's Australia. Yeah? Australia, a young country with a very short history. We are one of the oldest continuous democracies in the world. And then he goes on to say, only Britain, the United States of America, Canada, Switzerland, Sweden could look back on longer periods of democratic rule uninterrupted by dictatorship of the left or right, by foreign conquest and occupation. We are part of a club of six. And 30 years later, we are still part of that tiny club. Let's be thankful for what we've got. But you know what? There's another side to this. And this comes to us from a person called Sir Winston Churchill. Ever heard of him? Have you heard that quote? Many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. You know, hear the noise, how they're trying and trying. And then he goes on to speak about democracy. He says, no one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. What we've got is the worst. Well, have you ever listened to Question Time in Parliament? How they shout at each other and they talk past each other and they're trying to score points. I mean, how many have seen this series of programs in the past? The BBC, BBC series, Yes Minister. You know, a priceless satire on the Working, inner workings of government. And you know what? After having worked in the public service for 30 years, it's all too real. But then, if it's of, by and for the people, no matter what you say here, we all have a vote, someone has to be in charge. And with all the campaigning and manoeuvring and voting and background noise that's going on, can you kind of sense within the community, within the nation, as you read the newspapers, that there's a cry for leadership out there? Someone who can inspire. Someone who has convictions. Someone who could give us a vision. A sense of direction. I, I sense there's a void out there. But who can fill it? Well, that's what Isaiah tells us. There is someone. He is coming. That's what Isaiah said, but actually he has come. And the words are, his words, and the government will rest upon, on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He will get it right because he's got those four stripes on his shoulder. He's the one in charge and he will bring back to us the harmony 
that is in heaven. But notice it's about four. And before we go any further, let me cut back to where we left off in this subject last time. You know, we saw how in Moses' time, Israel was divided into four camps around the sanctuary. Now, you're looking at the screen. Am I going to get this right? Judah, that side, have I got it right? Ephraim. Now, what's down there? Look, Reuben. Dan. And then they have four standards. A lion, an ox, a man, an eagle. And they are the same as the creatures around God's throne up in the book of Revelation. And then there were four prophecies about the branch. Jesus as our king, as our servant. Man and of the Lord. Could they write? Whew. And these in turn match the four Gospels. That's what we talked about last time. The themes of the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And now we come to Isaiah and we come another four. So can we fit these four into that big picture? Well, would you intuitively expect some sort of alignment? Oh, I heard a yes. Ah. But can you see one? Or isn't it so obvious? You know, I'm not going to do anything more with that picture uh, today, but I'm going to suggest to you, where would you attach Jesus as our wonderful counsellor, the government, on his shoulder? Does that sit with Jesus as our king? With Matthew and the lion symbol? You know, why not put it up the top with the of the Lord? But then again, if you look at the list of four from Isaiah, we've got mighty God there. That looks like that belongs up there. Then you go across to a servant, but you don't ever ask servants for counsel, do you, or advice? It's always one way, isn't it? Oh, down the bottom, to a man. Oh, yes, maybe. A man can give you advice, but do you really need to take any notice? You know, what authority does a man have? As opposed to someone who is a king. When he gives you advice, gives you counsel, he's got the authority behind him. He's the one who rules. Jesus rules, but remember, his kingdom is not of this world. And Jim, we know all too well how it goes down here. You know, they use Satan's principles. The exercise of force, the use of power. The point of a spear. You know how it goes, jump how high. But Isaiah here introduces a kingdom where Jesus is our king. Here it is, Aaron Matthew's there, but... What stands out above all else in his kingdom is that he is our counsellor, our wonderful counsellor. Sure, a king rules, a king has authority, a king leads. But what Isaiah is pointing out, first and foremost, when it comes to his kingdom, 
is that he rules by being our counsellor. He counsels with compassion, with kindness, in a way that you can trust because you feel trusted. You know, look again at Matthew. Its primary theme that we said last time was Jesus is our king. But then again, ask yourself, how much counsel is in Matthew? You know, there's not so much history in Matthew, but such much, so much as a compilation of Jesus' major sermons and discourses that he gave during his ministry. Indeed, if you add it up in that list, I think there are about ten chapters. Like the Sermon on the Mount, that something our pastor has been working through systematically recently in a series of services he's taken. You know? The Sermon on the Mount, getting along with others, taking oaths, loving others, even your enemies, avoiding ostentation, getting your priorities right, avoiding worry, of discipleship, the second on the list, being wise as serpents and harmless as what? The parables by the sea. The sower went forth to sow seed onto those different sorts of soil. Of human relations and humility. If you want to get into the kingdom, you need to be, be like a child. Hypocrisy, second coming. Hear the counsel. Trust the counsel. Act on the council. You know, even as Matthew book ends, you know, he spent three years with those disciples and then he more or less told them, hey, now it's up to you. You know, that command, go you into all the world. Well, think about it. How much was being placed on their shoulders? All the world? Take on the Roman Empire? Simple, ordinary men. Nothing extraordinary about them in terms of talents. They didn't have huge resources. But did they rise to that trust? The answer's in the book of Acts. And today, as we look around the world, so many Christians, 12 ordinary men. Hey, what does a counsellor do anyway? They advise... They encourage, they provide information, they present solutions. They don't command or demand you, you know, do as you're told. No. One of the definitions that comes to us is this very familiar verse. All scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God. Inspired by God's spirit. And Jesus said, the spirit is another comforter, someone just like me. And this scripture, this word, this counsel, if you like, is useful for teaching. That's where you learn. In rebuking, rebuking. <laughs> Oops, that's where you got it wrong. Correcting. You know, a little bit to the left, maybe. No, a little bit to the right. Ah, now you've got it. Training in righteousness. That's the way to go. So that the servant of God... That's us. Now it's up to us. The trust has been given here. It's on our shoulders. For we are the servants of God and we may 
be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work, morning, noon and night. And to round it off under the power of spirit, we can do it. You know, what's the best way to learn? You get in the driver's seat, don't you? Work out where to turn the key. Get the gears right. Hands on. You've got to work it out. You might be a bit wobbly at first. But so what? You soon get the hang of it. Life. Boy meets girl. <laughs> Chemistry. Reaction. Love. Marriage. Happily ever. <laughs> Sleepless nights. <laughs> you soon work it out. You get the hang of it. Now it's about... Yeah, don't drop your breakfast on the floor. Eat your veggies. Put things away afterwards. Don't whack your little sister. Hey, have you ever been there before? But then, you know, as time goes on, there's a transfer to that little toddler, to a teen, and then to an adult. You know, they grow up and more and more gets added wear to their shoulders. Living independently, responsibilities, job, home, church, goals, challenges. It can be done. That's life. And that's being part of the kingdom. I can't avoid this one, but this came from my father-in-law. He presented this him at a sermon one day and it was, a, it was about himself he told us how that as an 18 year old his mother used to make his bed every day and Sundays she always made the world's best apple pie <sighs> he had it made didn't he and then along came World War II conscription so who's going to make his bed now? <laughs> Sarge, I don't know how. But then again, should an 18 year old, year old have to make their own bed? <laughs> That's the army. No apple pie either. You know, Sometimes growing up, things can happen that come as a bit of a shock, but that's life. On the other hand, how is it for those who sort of never seem to learn, and to put it as a metaphor, always want someone else to make their own bed, look after them? What kind of life are they going to have? You know, the story we had this morning, God is, is God still awake? The answer was very clearly yes. We're never left on our own. He's always there. We don't have to be, we'll wait in a queue. He is the wonderful counsellor. He looks upon his church, no, this church, with intense interest. 
and with a heart full of tender sympathy, he enters into the depth of our necessities, what we really need. But our ways are not always his ways. He sees the result of every action. After all, you've heard of the term unintended consequences. You might have the best of intentions, but behind it there are unintended consequences. And he asks us to trust patiently in his wisdom, not in the supposedly wise plans of our own making. And you know what? There's not a day when we don't need counsel from above. And when we receive it from above, then we can get on with our day. Yeah, this is the world God created. And we are made in the image of God and we need to live that image. Here it is, right back in Genesis. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. That was his responsibility. Looking after a garden. How tough's that? Care for the earth, including the wildlife. And oh yes, we hear about the animals all the time, but remember back there then it says God brought them to the man to see what he would name them. You know, Adam, you're responsible. So you give them a name, it's all yours. And so what do we have? Where are the boys and girls? What's that animal? And what's this one? You know, talk about a big mouth. What kind of a mouth he got? A hippo mouth. What's this one? Oh. Now, Australia. We're in Australia. We've got even an Australia one. So what will we do now? What do you reckon? Got to have one of those, don't you? Skippy. And those little koala bears. Can't beat our koala bear, can you? Not the big grizzlies in America anyway. <laughs> but you know, in the final analysis, how much of the end time judgment is going to be related to the way mankind has treated this earth, including the wildlife? He will destroy those who will destroy the earth, destroy those who have violated the original trust. Look again at ancient Israel where Moses was advised to select Capable men, men who feared God, men who are trustworthy and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Again, working through delegation. Let the simple problems, let the ten sort that one out. Bigger ones, okay, we'll do the fifty. Bigger ones still, a hundred. Real big ones, a thousand. And then the super tough ones. Oh, well, that's Moses' job. And the same today. Speaking of his church, we are told God has not provided that the burden of leadership should rest on a few men. Responsibilities are distributed among a large number of competent, and let's be real modern now, men and women. I suggest it rests on all our shoulders responsibility, accountability for the maintenance and good order in God's church. And indeed, Jesus has special counsel for our time. Here it is. I counsel you. Hear the echo going back to Isaiah. Jesus is speaking our king and he can make it happen. 
Why? Well, he goes on, I counsel you to buy from me. He's the source. He has access to heaven's resources. That's where we get treasure, treasure from heaven. That's where we're told to store it. It's safe up there. Robbers can't pinch it from us. Moths can't eat it up. Buy it from me, gold. Faith, more precious than gold. And not only our faith, it's been refined in fire. And the result is we become rich. And white clothes to wear. Fine linen, clean and white. Righteousness. The righteousness of the saints. And then it says, and to put on your eyes so you can see. Eyes open through the power of the Holy Spirit to see with wisdom. To become spiritually rich. Dressed properly for heaven. To have the wisdom to see clearly ahead. Someone who has accepted the divine counsel. And now we become a citizen of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that's not of this world. We are made in God's image and God treats us like people who are intelligent, rational, reasonable, who can be trusted, who can be given responsibility, who can have it placed on their shoulders because that's the way it is in heaven. That means we will be part of the harmony in heaven forever. Isaiah presents the ideal. And you know, as I've said, that impacts the world down here. For Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And that's what works through society. And you can see how much better, more effective, efficient organisations become and even whole nations become as they delegate, as they extend trust where individuals are treated this way, where they are given responsibility and held able. You know, our lucky country didn't just happen. Salt and light had, has had an effect. Even though it might be the worst, we are still enjoined to live in peace within it, to accept its authority. And, yes, we are so much better off here than many other places in this sorry planet. And we can be thankful for that. May I suggest the effect that starts with that is real out there. And if that's the case out there, how much more in here? Harmony, true harmony, lies ahead for those who listen. Listen and act upon the words of our counsellor, our wonderful counsellor. So let's keep faith. Let our faith keep rising ever higher. And let our hope for that better world keep shining ever brighter. Shall we bow our heads? Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you that you have put a trust in us and help us through the workings of the Spirit. Help us to rise to that, to live in faith in you, to obey your words, to listen to your counsel and to always follow it, no matter what it may suggest to us and where to go. And with these thoughts in mind, we ask that you'll dismiss us with your blessing. For Jesus' sake, amen.